0: Hi, it's Erin. I'm your regular co-host of First Bite. First of all, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in and listening to First Bite. We've been incredibly encouraged and excited by the feedback we've received and are looking forward to the future. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying First Bite, please take a moment, maybe pause your device to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. This podcast started out as a small idea to bring convenient, tangible resources to SLPs and other professionals, and we value your feedback more than anything. Leaving those reviews truly helps us out. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Hey, Erin, have you heard that we have a promotional code for speechtherapypd.com? I think I heard the same thing. Yes. So, <laughs> as if we both hadn't heard that. <laughs> but um, it's First Bite. So, if you log on to speechtherapypd.com and enter the promotional code First Bite, it takes $10 off an annual subscription. And, Aaron, do you that want to? That includes all the pod courses. Yes. And we have four now. I'm not sure if y'all knew that. We have four. We have we First Bite. Yeah, we do. It's Speech Uncensored. Um, And in case y'all haven't heard of this lovely lady, she focuses on adults. And I know that there's a fair few of you out there that PRN impedes and or PRN in adults. So be sure to check out Speech Uncensored. And it also includes the Speech Link and the SLP Now podcast with Miss Marisha, who I like, fangirl crush. She's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Okay. All right. So promo code is? First bite. Whoop. Whoop. And don't let it autocorrect you to B Y T E because it does it did that to me a couple times. So Woo-hoo. there it is. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi folks and welcome to First Bite fed, fun, functional resources for the pediatric clinician. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC SLP, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in Town, South Carolina, and guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light and hope to the world for the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, best practice for running a private practice, and all the nitty-gritty details involving feeding and swallowing by interviewing the subject matter experts themselves. We bring the data to you. Every fourth episode, I am joined by the lovely Erin Forward, MSP CF SLP, a Yankee transplant who actually inspired this journey and who also walks the wild, woolly, and sometimes sticky walk of early intervention with us. Sit back, relax, and watch out for all the squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I know good and well that in my life's path, both personally and professionally, I have been blessed to have leaders, both men and women, that have embodied grit, grace, and a fair bit of courage. I would be at a complete loss had I not had these individuals to lead me, which some days might have resembled pulling me along towards a massive process improvement project, carrying me over and through a personal tragedy that trickled over into the professional realm, as well as to guide me and or push me up the hill towards opportunities when a leadership role came up. I also know good and well that my life's path, again, both personally and professionally, has been blessed to have what at the moment I would have described as quote-unquote bad leadership. I mean, it's me, and it's fair to say that in those those bad moments, Um, the hills of my bones might have escaped and more than a few choice words describing bad leadership might have escaped my lips. But I'm going to extend myself a bit of grace and admit that I'm a work in progress. Aren't we all? But on my worst and best days, I am grateful for both types of leaders because I would not be where I am today had it not been for them. I am able to define and strive to become the type of leader that I want to be based upon the examples that they set before me. So yes, my life path has been an adventurous one. Now, a few years ago, that journey led me to Minneapolis, Minnesota, to the ASHA Leadership Development Program and to the ASHA Connect Conference. Now, if you told me way back when that some little girl from White Oak, Virginia would ever grow up to leave that tiny speck of a town um, with her uh, double chin, fabulous double chin that it is, buck teeth and coat puddle glasses for a profession that I didn't even hear about till I was 13, much less a leadership program that only allows 30 folks in a year, well, I would have called your bluff and lost my typical wager of a cup of of coffee at Starbucks. And um, y'all, I'm going to admit I am all about the pumpkin spice latte. But there it is. And there I was. And as fate would have it, I met the amazing ladies of the source team as we dubbed ourselves. And I spent a year being mentored by today's guest, Dr. Kevin Norse, PCC, who is an executive coach, leadership development expert, author, and speaker with over 20 years of experience developing resilient change leaders. He is the founder of Norse Leadership Strategies, an executive coaching and leadership development firm based in Washington, D.C. and Southern California. I am overjoyed that he is here today to share his wisdom because let's face it, those of us out in the world of early intervention speech-language pathology, we need guidance and leadership skills as often, I mean let's be honest, despite how isolating home health is, we are typically the ones that end up becoming the leader for our little ones teams. So uh, Dr. Kevin, yay. Thank you for joining us on today's fun and functional episode. And thank you for teaching me about stakeholders and to slow down and shush. So yay. (laughs) It's
1: great, Michelle. It's nice to reconnect with
0: you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So can we start with what does your alphabet suit mean and how in the world did you take on the role of creating resilient leadership?
1: Um, in, within my, uh, the, the acronyms following my name, the PCC means professional certified coach. So just like in the speech language hearing community, it's a, a professional certification that I have to get renewed with, uh, occasionally. So, okay. um, uh, Yeah. So that's through the International Coach Federation. And then, um, you know, how I got into this work, uh, I mean, quite honestly, it was uh, an evolutionary process, as it is for most of us. But I spent much of my career in um, finance, human resources, and accounting. And then, uh, I don't know, I got to the point where I realized that I kind of like hated what I did. And I needed, <laughs> <It
0: sounds awful. laughs>
1: I needed to find a, a vision and purpose. And so I, I did some formal exploration of like, what am I on the planet to do? Probably about 25, 30 years ago and uh, realized that the essence of my vision is two things. One is to humanize organizations, make them more, more human oriented. And then secondly, help people find their leadership voice all based on the premise that, you know, the world we're creating and the complexities and the adversities, it's going to be through, you know, powerful leadership that we not only, you know, survive, but thrive. And so that's really what I focus much of my work on is um, toward that, you know, greater vision and purpose.
0: Do you know Kiki Italian? Do I know who? Kiki Le Italian.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Oh, my stars. The two of you are two peas in a pot. I need to connect the two of you because she does association chat and her life mission sounds very akin to your life mission. And I feel like if the two of y'all were to connect, that beautiful things would happen. Okay. That's squirrel number one right out the gate. But I'm just listening to you and listening to her in my head and just thinking that, yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna put that on my to-do list. <laughs> okay, so now, how did you get involved with um, leadership with speech pathologist?
1: Oh goodness, that was uh, I would th- I think it was about 12 years ago. I did a I did a some type of a workshop for Asha for the Asha staff in mm-hmm. um, Gaithersburg. And then um, ultimately, they, I guess, were starting to ruminate about uh, rolling out a, a formal leadership development program for ASHA members and then submitted an RFP way back when, and then was was my firm was chosen. And that was, I guess, we're now, you know, yada, 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 now in our 10th, uh, about to go into our 10th cohort. So um, and each cohort has the two groups of 30. So mm-hmm. yeah, who knew? It's just, it's been a great partnership with... Um, the association and have just so come to appreciate what speech language pathologists and audiologists do in terms of communication is just a fundamental human right. And I'm all about that. I get
0: mm. that. So, mm-hmm. Okay, folks, um, if y'all don't know what he's talking about, please, please, I implore you to go check out the ASHA Leadership Umbrella. There's different forms of the ASHA Leadership Academy. There's a Minority Student Leadership Program. There is the uh, annual Audiology Leadership Program, the annual School SLP Program, and the annual SLP Program. And it is it is an absolutely phenomenal program. I mean, it's just it's just wonderful the way they teach you to think. Uh, as well as the assessments that you have to do to start with. They are a little raw and um, reflective, uh, but they also have uh, online programs if you can't dedicate a year to uh, getting there. So that would be a great start. So if you're listening, please do go and check this out. Um, Okay, so then let me just roll right in. Um, So at the start of the annual leadership development program, we had to take a deeply personal assessment to help us reflect upon each individual's emotional intelligence. And it was an incredible experience for me personally. And it did leave me a little bit raw as I analyzed some of my weaknesses, but um, I was pleased and proud of some of my strengths that I didn't realize that what I perceived as a weakness was in fact a strength. So can you please describe what emotional intelligence is and where we can go to find out more about how to measure and monitor our own emotional intelligence?
1: Great. Um, You know, when we designed the program, the leadership development program for um, ASHA, we realized that really at the heart, um, when you think about core leadership competencies, what really defines a leader, and this is a leader in both a organizational setting as well as in a volunteer setting, Mm -hmm. but it really boils down to emotional intelligence, which is a psychological construct, you know, identified a few decades ago, but emotional intelligence really at its heart is this, it's a set of um, emotional and social skills that starts, starts first with how we perceive ourselves and how aware we are of ourselves and our emotions. And then how do we uh, notice and observe and work with the emotions in others um, and use that inf- uh, emotional information in a meaningful way? So one way to think about it, um, I guess let's just start off with a concrete example. You're at your desk. You get an email from someone, maybe your boss, whatever, and it triggers emotions. Um, That is the classic place to think about emotional intelligence. Maybe it's a charged email. In other words, maybe it's written in all uppercase, but we have emotional reactions to it, you know, and that's human. So the issue is, you know, unconscious people or unconscious leaders may ignore it because they don't like that person. They may blast a response back Um, in essence, really what it boils down to is kind of unconsciously, we get triggered, um, the amygdala in our brain, that's, you know, our hot brain or our monkey brain gets triggered and it's either a fight or flight response. We either fight, we become hyper aggressive conceivably. I'll show them, I'll fire an email back or flight. We just withdraw, ignore, procrastinate. So you know, the key of emotional intelligence is inserting choice. So I get I get a uh, email um, inserting the choice, how do I need to show up here? Kind of what's a more leaderly-like way to respond?
0: You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because after the program, I realized that nobody can see me reading the email in my car. So now I stomp my foot in the car and I may say a few choice words out loud and take a breath, and then I'm able to respond back to that. <laughs> but like, right? That, but you know, I'd like to say that's emotional growth on my end. I don't put it in the email. I get it out. And again, I'm not driving people. I'm sitting in a park spot. <laughs> <So> like, yeah, <laughs> yes, emotional growth. Go team! Everybody, clap! Yay! <laughs> uh, okay. Mm.
1: So you know, it really boils down to the the, the fact that emotionally intelligent people. Are not a victim of their emotions, but they know how to use their emotions maybe to to have greater impact. But you know, the, again, it's all about inserting kind of cognitive choice making, which is in essence, how do I want to show up here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, based on my values, based on my vision as a leader, based on what's what's important. And to me, again, I think the example of the email because we all get those and we all have those strong reactions. Um, but you know the self-management it takes to be able to um, kind of consciously choose your behavior. To me, that's what the essence of emotional intelligence is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a developable skill. So unlike um, say the Myers Briggs type indicator or personality assessments, for the most part, our personality is fairly fixed. It may it may evolve a little bit, but it's, it largely is what it is. But in contrast, emotional intelligence is something that can be developed, and people can get stronger and more effective in terms of their emotional intelligence through skill development, awareness, a whole, you know, just a whole list of things that they can do about it. So um, we can get better at it if if we're not very good at it, which is the good news.
0: Yes.
1: So, um, yeah. So, so I think it's... Um, Again, this is it shows up in, and of course, not just with speech language pathologists and audiologists, but I use this basically with all kinds of leaders that I coach because really it gets back to the heart of I don't know, you might think about it in concentric circles in terms of leadership skill. At the heart of leadership is leading oneself. If you can't manage yourself and your stuff, how on earth can you lead others? Mm-hmm. So that's at the middle of the circle. And then we think about kind of leading and engaging others, and then leading the organization, and then finally leading in the larger, say, uh, uh, context in terms of our interactions with our professions and within our sector kind of stuff. But really, as I say, the heart of leadership is really emotional intelligence.
0: So when we did our EI assessment, and it was, it took me, I felt incredibly, I, I think they say what budget, like 45 to 60 minutes in order to do the Q&A for the whole thing. But like, I felt like it took me like an hour and a half or two hours. I mean, I probably didn't, but the questions were very um, introspective. And for those of us out there and, um, Kevin, I've been very open and honest about my walk. Um, I am a survivor of domestic abuse from my ex-husband who was incredibly violent. And, um, for those of you that are listening, uh, that if one, if you're in it, get out, there's something amazing waiting on the other side. And two, when you reflect on your emotional intelligence and you do assessments and introspection, it does pull some of those PTSD triggers because you realize how your perception of self has changed and evolved because of the, um, because of abuse. And so it was, um, Eye-opening for me. Also, when you talked about the emails, goodness gracious, millennials put a lot of exclamation points in things. And I am the oldest millennial part of that generation. And so when I get emails, sometimes I'm like, well, why are they giving me exclamation points? Like, I don't understand why, what is, what is the emphasis here? So when you're, (laughs) when you're reading emails from different generations, please be aware that there are, um, differences. And so I have, um learned that one the hard way. So it's just very funny to me that that's the analogy that you go with. Cause whenever, before I meet my new interns, I'm like, well, they're either really excited or they're angry to start the term. So like, I'm not sure how this is going to (laughs) go. Okay. So if someone wants to find out how to go and measure their emotional intelligence, what are some of your favorite resources for discovering their strengths and weaknesses? And are there free ones? Because that that's always a concern because I can speak for a lot of EISLPs. Our budgets are tight.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, again, the gold standard would be something like what you took, which is,
0: uh, um, yeah, the
1: MHS Canadian company that actually, um, owns the copyright. And so it's, it's a totally validated instrument. So it's, it's long because it asks you multiple questions to make sure that, you know, your findings are really mm-hmm. accurate. Um, I do have on my website, I have a, a link to a, um, more of a quick and dirty EI, uh, assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just Norseleadership.com. And then the resources page, there's several resources on emotional intelligence, including a link to a, a more abridged version, as it were, to give you a maybe a thumbnail sketch in terms of kind of a perspective on your emotional intelligence capabilities.
0: Norse leadership. Oh, it pops right up. Goodness gracious! I'm I'm pulling it up live time, folks. Um, um, I say live time, but bless it, my my um, cell phone is running slow today. But um, there it is. And Norse is spelled N O U R S E. Okay. All right. So we have that one, and those are then free, so that way we can um, go check it out, which is lovely. Yep. Great. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay. So now this is where the carryover part goes. We talked a lot about in um, the uh, within the leadership development program about how emotional intelligence can impact our leadership style. So, I, and that has played out for me from the perspective of uh, state volunteer leadership, as well as stepping out and opening up my own company and then having to be a business owner. And it has directly impacted my personal and professional growth. But how okay. does poor emotional intelligence impact leadership skills before we go on to positive See what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, so stepping back a bit, you know, when it comes down to kind of leader functioning, you know, emotions are not the enemy, (laughs) (laughs) but uncontrolled emotions Mm -hmm. are um, because they will get in your way. But, you know, the fact is that leadership is inherently emotional. And that's particularly so in environments where there's a lot of change going on and so you know you're dealing with your own emotions but then you're dealing with the emotions of stakeholders and followers who you know are experiencing loss and anger and all the things that we go through in terms of um, organizational change so it's interesting um One of the resources i look at occasionally there's a a magazine it's an online zine called ceo magazine and they they did an interesting study about top 10 sources of derailment for leaders and really among the top was uh, the lack of emotional intelligence which is having no self-awareness and that you know creates the condition of derailment which means when high potential people go off the edge go off the rails think literally there's the train going off the tracks Mm -hmm. Um and it makes sense because it's you know and, and I've seen that. I've had to in essence been asked to coach people that, you know, um struggled with that. So unchecked, you know, emotions really become um, I don't know, a, a real thorn in people's side, as well as the in, incapacity or inability to be able to read audiences and understand your impact on others' emotions. Um again, you might think about it um along a, a continuum. So at one end of kind of emotions would be, you know, again, the fight, which is you have an emotional reaction. and You want to fight. You want to become aggressive. On the opposite end would be the flight where you just shrink in. So instead of um, using your emotions effectively, you basically just withdraw. And in the middle would be what we consider, I, I would consider is um, kind of right in the middle of the sweet spot, more of a, an assertive place to be. which And it's a very conscious place. So I could fight and go in that mode. I could become passive, but I'm going to choose a more assertive way. I'm going to use those emotions and make some conscious choices about my behavior or how I engage with the other. Does that make sense? Again, thinking about the the spectrum.
0: It does. And it also sounds very akin to us working with pragmatics. I mean, I work with a Mm -hmm. lot of individuals that are on like the autism spectrum, um, Uh, disorders continuum and helping them recognize this facial, like if a patient or if if a, a peer is presenting with this face, that means that they're feeling X, Y, or Z because they may not be aware of registering the emotions around them. And I'm just kind of wondering, we have individuals that are on the spectrum that are incredibly high functioning and you know, in the world of early intervention, we get them as tiny humans, but they grow up and they grow on and t- beautiful and great things. And I can see how uh, that would impact your world at like a CEO level with like tech companies and having to do pragmatics training there and recognizing social cues because th- that my mind's kind of tr- flying to play catch up because that's <laughs> just pretty profound I feel like we're at the start of the circle and you're at the end, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that's, yes. So being assertive, but assertive in a good way. Mm-hmm. I'm with you.
1: Right. So l- let's look at a couple examples, um, uh, very specific to leaders. And this often comes up in, in the, the work I do in both as developing leaders and coaching leaders, um, presence under stress, Okay, so there you are, you're, you've got a lot of demands, you know, a lot of expectations, you're late from meeting, so under stress. So the, the fight side of that, of kind of being unconscious is like, you know, easily rattled, anxious, panic you know, flying off the handle. And, um, again, we see a leader like that, you know, we create a whole story to explain their behavior. Um, can we trust that person? They're so easily rattled. Would I trust them with a tough decision? I might not, you know, and so in terms of who gets ahead and who doesn't people that are easily rattled, um, they don't seem very leaderly like, or, you know, leader presence, but the opposite. So, um, People that are so calm under stress, you wonder, is there a pulse? Do they get the urgency of the situation? You know, so it can go to the other extreme of kind of flight behavior, which is just so flatline. So that's, those are the other extremes. But in the middle is this place of both being grounded, but also demonstrating some sense of urgency that there's an important issue we need to deal with. But again, it's, it's, it's recognizing that. So you're neither freaking out or, you know, the, the, the dead fish, but, you know, you're bringing energy to the situation so that people get that this is important and we need to take action. So to me, that, that is kind of classic and that comes up a lot. Um, and I see that with leaders in terms of how they show up in stress.
0: Mm-hmm. That That sounds like our therapeutic presence one of the OTs that I work Mm. with, he said, your presence and the energy that you bring to your therapy session sets the stage for how your therapy session Mm -hmm. will play out. And if you're incredibly high energy, it can be over overly stimulating. If you're incredibly low energy for some kids that are incredibly high, that brings them y'all meet in the middle, but otherwise you'll have a harder time getting them to engage. And so, yep.
1: That's, in, in my field, in the field of organization development and change um, and coaching, we refer to that as use of self, mm-hmm. that you know, I've got my whole list of tools and techniques and strategies. But more importantly, I think of more than anything is how I show up. Mm-hmm. How do I need to show up with a client mm-hmm. um, from that perspective? So in, in in my field, we have a similar construct. Um, it
0: even changes whether or not I wear makeup. There are certain patients that I go to because I do home health and I know that therapeutic presence. I work in the Deep South. If I don't show up with at least mascara on, (laughs) The families will be like, "Are yeah. you having an okay day? What's wrong with your kin? Are your people okay?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I just didn't put mascara on." <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yep, no, no, no judgment passed. I know, carry mascara in the car <laughs> because of that reason. <laughs> uh, that's yep. Oh. So I've got
1: um, another examples around assertiveness. Again, another area for um, you know uh, an an important leadership attribute. So, we can look again along the uh, continuum. So, you've got kind of the fight. So, someone that is um, kind of hyper aggressive. So, they've been triggered. They're kind of in their emotions, can be very aggressive, very self centered, and, and, and kind of, you know, really get aggressive. The other is just shrinking back, um, being passive, not really speaking one's truth. And in the middle, a really powerful place to be in the middle that that's assertive is confident, asking for what you need, firm and direct. Again, that's bringing a sense of intentionality to it so that you're not reacting um, or becoming passive. Again, it's another manifestation of of an emotionally intelligent leader, which is knowing when to lean in and be very conscious about it. You know, and in some ways you can think about, Fight-or-flight reactions are often about safety. We're trying to be safe. And, um, you know, but safety is not always the right thing to do. In many cases, it's not. You know, if if there's a challenge in front of you, you've got to, you know, embrace it and lean into it, not run away from it. So the safe thing may be to shrink back because there's a powerful person and you don't want to face them but the more leaderly like is to kind of stand in your own power and lean in. And so that's why having that awareness of, oh, I'm being triggered here. This is a person who reminds me of my father, blah, blah, blah. No, there's a conscious principle about being present. This is my role. You know, I'm here to do this work. So I need to speak my truth. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, That. Okay. So Y'all, we're predominantly ladies, let's be honest. The world of speech-language pathologists is overwhelmingly female. And a lot of those of us that are in the world of early intervention, um, we are not in the same building with the physicians that we are referring our patients to. Those of y'all that are out there in your CF year and that are younger, simply picking up the phone and leaning in. And doing so in an assertive, more confident way when you're requesting the physicians, that confidence will come through. But we do have to be assertive when we seek out second opinions or when we're reaching out to the physicians requesting additional diagnostics. But um, everything that he said and then all of the isms that are attached to it, that um, tiny, petite, young um, females feel on a daily basis, we do have to lean in and be more confident. So in some respects, yes, you may need to duck out. I saw a grown man get into an argument with the barista at a coffee shop this morning because somebody had parked erroneously and it was unprofessional. It was scary. And he was berating a woman and none of the managers stepped up. And finally, another man in the coffee shop simply intervened because It was, that situation could have actually played out quite different and I was getting a little hesitant, but, um, but we do need to be confident and be assertive without aggression for our patients. So just put that away in your stew pot. Yeah. And then check out, um, feeding org for the evidence behind why we have that right to make referrals to the different specialists. And if it comes back to you again, check out the uh, ASHA scope of practice for early intervention SLPs, where it clearly says, and within our code of ethics, that we are supposed to request additional assessments. So there's some tools for your toolbox. Okay. Big squirrels. Sorry, friend. (laughs) Are you there, Kevin? Did I lose you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I put on my mute there. Um,
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, oh no, I went exactly. on a tangent and I lost no, <laughs> when, I, when I
1: drink water, I like to, to, to mute it. But, um,
0: <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I'm sitting over here with a very large unsweet peach green tea and it's the most delightful thing ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, this is fun. So there's a couple, uh, other domains. One is, um, problem solving. Again, a big, you know, it's an important skill for you know anyone, but particularly for leaders, so again, let's go back to kind of this, this perspective of when we're in kind of hyper emotional mode, fight mode, um, many times people, um, are leaders in that, in that mode as it relates to problem solving will, um, uh, either, uh, avoid problems or solve problems without data. They just get into action quickly, make, you know, snap decisions that often are not their best decision. Um, Let's see. So you can think about um, or on the other side, maybe taking in too much data. They 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 just can't make a decision. And again, it's it's emotions at play there. And so um, a powerful place for an emotionally intelligent leader is to be focused on the problem, recognizing how much time you've got to solve it and not be overwhelmed by the data and the options. Because, again, people can just drown in data because they're so fearful about making a decision. That's huge. Um, Or even this this area of flexibility. You know, it's important as a leader to be flexible at times. Um, But again, how emotions, throw a little emotions uh, into the mix and suddenly we may be in more the the fight mode on flexibility, which is much more rigid and change resistant. Like this is the way it is. I'm not going to move from this. It's it's an emotional reaction. Um, Or the other side, Um, in terms of the flight side, which is you're so flexible, you don't stick to a plan. You kind of go with whatever and just kind of drift along. And I think maybe all of us have seen leaders that are, are so overly flexible that you wonder, do they have a backbone? So again, that's a place in terms of flexibility and especially in change situations where we see emotions at play either too much or too little. And again, how emotional intelligence can really help you find that sweet spot in the middle where you're focused, but you're also adaptable, but you're not gonna kind of give away the store. Um, because I think a lot of times people are so flexible because they're afraid to assert themselves. Boy, if I own my power and kind of lean in, that's gonna trip me up. So again, half the battle is knowing what what is, um, what is monkey brain triggering for you? And is it, I wanna be safe, I'm afraid, and I wanna be safe. You know, to, to recognize that because it's like, wait a minute, conscious brain, you know, grown up brain, is that really what's called for here? And I think, so it's developing awareness of kind of like those parts within you, you know, of the voices, <laughs> I think, <about> that.
0: <laughs> All I see is the Acme cartoons with like the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the other side. That's what I'm envisioning as you're describing this. I don't know what that says about my own personal emotional intelligence that my 36-year-old self goes back to Acme as a default, but like (laughs) I understand what you're saying because of it. Thank you, Looney Tunes. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Also, monkey brain does sound like my four-year-old. I'm just watching him develop sense of self, you know? So. Yeah.
1: Well, and, you know, that kind of takes us back to the kind of the co- cognitive behavioral, you know, therapy schools and, and, you know, use a lot of different theories and coaching folks and helping them kind of develop more self mastery. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, brain management is, which is really what the essence of cognitive behavioral therapy is, which is I'm having this reaction, but that reaction is not me. That's only like, you know, again, the monkey brain because you know the the neuroscience of it is that amygdala that part of our brain is looking and scanning input for threats you know that's how we survived you know the the you know the tiger is chasing you it's a threat run you know flight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or fight but again most of us don't have life and death kinds of things there and yet our brain still reacts that way and so. It's like, it is what it is. So how do we consciously work with it? Which is, again, so much of what cognitive behavioral therapy is about, which is I'm having a reaction, but let me, let me challenge that, you know, monkey brain. Well, let's let's look for the evidence. Let's weigh the factors kind of thing. And that's what I think, you know, becoming, it's almost like the, the, you know, the care and repair of the brain, you know, how we as adults work with our brains and recognize, you know, those limitations. But you know, navigate them.
0: All, all I can think of is, um, when, when you're talking about scanning for a perpetual, um, fight or flight or the tiger out there, that was, that's something, um, that those of us that did have the PTSD triggers, like, uh, like I will be honest. If I see, Um, somebody brush their hand quickly in like my periphery, I will still go into um, a defense stand in anticipation of like getting hit. And I know that's incredibly graphic, but like there's a truth. So I have been in meetings, especially when I was closer to, um, you know, the trauma that I sustained years ago, that if we were sitting around at like a rehab team meeting and the person sitting next to me simply shuffled their chair very quickly, like I would jump Mm -hmm. In response, but that was that was that's just me. I mean, I don't I don't jump anymore. Um, but you know, cognitive behavioral training is a lovely thing. <laughs> so, like, and I can joke about it now. Go team! Ten years later, but um, but yes, absolutely. So I have had to learn to alter and grow and tell my monkey brain. Um, that there are not perpetual threats around me and how to slow the response. So for some instances, me personally, I do have to do deep breathing. So, um, and, and then I think about it from a leadership perspective, I'm able to pick up on those factors and other individuals. And so that has taken my personal leadership style into one of nurturing. And I've been able to use that to help other women, um, And, and gents escape those situations. I mean, they Mm. may not have fallen in like the nine to five professional realm, but elsewhere. Yeah.
1: You know, it's 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 part of your, you know, your, your pain is your power into a transcendent that, that, uh, you know, that world. And so of course you'd be the one to reach out to others that have that experience. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So I'm just saying that so that if somebody's listening, y'all help, help a friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm
1: not sure if you're familiar with, um, the marshmallow study, um, at Stanford.
0: No, but I, it has marshmallow in it. So yeah. like, I'm getting yeah, it. We, we are in s'more season here, friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
1: it's relevant in terms of emotional intelligence. Um, the, the experimental psychologist that was a Stanford professor did this really fascinating study. The study was really to look at, um, self-control among children and the design was um, these these children were selected. They were um, given two choices. They could um, give, take one mar- marshmallow now, or they could wait 20 minutes and receive two marshmallows. And so they, they looked at that. So they did the study. And of course, the experimental psychologists were behind a, a mirrored wall to observe this. And so um, it was a kind of a landmark study because what they found is that the kids that could resist the temptation and wait 20 minutes. They tracked them over time and they did exponentially better in their lives. If you think about delayed gratification, um, everything from saving money, uh, physical fitness, relationship quality, just a whole boatload of things come out of that. But what was so fascinating in the tie-in to emotional intelligence is that, um, They referred in the study to, uh, you know, our hot brain, which is what I'm calling the monkey brain, that amygdala that, you know, that has that reaction. And that often leads us, you know, to be impulsive. Um, But what they found is the kids that were able to resist, they did so because, for example, they would look at, they would make a, a tube with their hands and look at the marshmallow on the table And it allowed them to kind of distance themselves or they would make up a song about the marshmallow. And all of those things were um, self-management techniques that these kids had come up with to, you know, prevent them from reaching out and grabbing the marshmallow and and destroying, you know, not getting the second one. And so I just thought it was really fascinating. So the premise of like um, cooling our hot brain, you know, when monkey brain is hot and like well, I'm ready to fight, or I'm going to grab that marshmallow. How do you cool it down? You know, it's, it's you, you. fast forward to adulthood, you get the email, and by golly, you want to send off a you know a bomb. No, I'm not. I'm not going to eat the marshmallow. I'm going to I'm going to chill. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to let it season that kind of thing. So it, that's the choice. But I, th- you know, there's actually YouTube videos out there on uh, the marshmallow test um, that are just hysterical to watch and to, you know, you could just see this in kids. It's just so fascinating, but a lot of, a lot of uh, insight came out of that, but I think all that, you know, it's totally applies to emotional intelligence because it's about choice and about how these kids self-managed, you know, kind of the amygdala part of their brains to be kind of in control. It's really fascinating. So again, if you just Google search "marshmallow experiment um, Stanford," and you'll see these these awesome videos. In fact, one of them that I loved was um, that instead of using marshmallows, they used uh, Oreo cookies. And
0: (laughs) my children would fail. My children would go down in a flame of glory. (laughs) Uh, Goose might stand a chance, but I'm telling you what, Mr. Theodore Alexander, that four-year-old in his Wonder Woman outfit would go like gobble, gobble, gobble.
1: (laughs) Well, what was so funny is one one kid, uh, once the researchers left the room, they were back there watching what was going on. He reached out, he opened up the Oreo, ate the filling out, put the cookie back together and put it back on the plate. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know?
0: He is genetically related to me. So Yeah.
1: It's like your your your, your, your brethren, your spirit there. But anyway, it's just a fascinating study. But again, I think it, it shows as kids you know, developing uh, kind of emotional intelligence and that competency early on and, again, what it does for us. But, again, I think it's so true. It's like it was just a really great study that brought many facets together of what we call executive functioning, how we use our, our kind of cognitive thinking brain um, to make choices versus our emotional brain that wants to, like, eat the cookie, eat the marshmallow <laughs> now, right? <laughs>
0: I I I had to do headshots. I had to do new headshots for a book cover, okay? And new head well for the inside and and I've got a book I've been working on that's about to come out and I had to do that cover for photos, right? And so Monkey brain, Michelle was like, you can still have all the cheese and vino that you need on Friday and Saturday night. We're fine. And then the other part of Michelle was like, okay, we don't need acne and bloat for these photos. They can they can Photoshop right. this. But those extra fried cheese sticks probably not helping the cause <laughs> because <laughs> I have a weakness for mozzarella cheese sticks and double stuffed Oreos. Oh, so no, like,
1: really? That's kryptonite. Uh, uh, yes.
0: Oh my god. There there's nothing better than fried mozzarella cheese sticks with a little bit of Himalayan sea salt on top because they're fancy that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: like. Well that kind of classic <laughs> response in, in uh, strategy in dating I mean uh, in a, in uh, dieting, the idea of you go to the Mexican restaurant and do you eat the whole bag of chips, the whole, you know, basket? Or do you ask mm-hmm. for a small um plate and you're gonna put your portion on that plate? So again, that's the, you know, there it is managing the the devouring the marshmallow kind of thing. It's like, all right, what's on this plate? This is it. I'm going to be a grown up and make a choice. So
0: uh-huh, uh-huh. see, no, the answer to the Mexican restaurant is bring two tiny humans with you and they will consume the chips before you even reach oh, for the first crazy. one and, and there, and there's your dieting problem solved.
1: <laughs> even better strategy. That's great. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, my stars. Huh? Okay. What else do you have lined up for us? I love the research studies. This is fascinating,
1: yeah, it really is. I love hearing the especially these like again landmarks, gold studies because they did it longitudinally over thirty years. I thought that is just incredible to look at what what that means mm-hmm. for us but um so i I guess in terms of uh, where folks can go from here, thinking in terms of um Who's, who's written, who to read, you know, there's, um,
0: Daniel, Goldman. their personal growth. Yeah. That's what we need is how do we improve and grow? Yeah.
1: yeah. And so Daniel Goldman, uh, wrote a, a bunch of books. He's got a web page, and, um, and has done like a lot of the seminal research in terms of, um, emotional intelligence. And so, um, he is, uh, quite the guy on it. Um,
0: you said Daniel Goldman. Yeah. Okay, I'm 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 real time pulling this up because I'm so fascinated. Okay, yeah. Um, let's see. Emotional intelligence. And if you Is go- it Goldman? G O L E M A N. Yes, I found it, yeah. folks. Yeah, right. It's Daniel Goldman. G O L E M A N. Dot. Yeah. Um, info. It looks like. Yeah. Okay
1: so he 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 made it accessible other researchers have done research and and work on it but uh goldman really was the one that um kind of moved it forward he wrote the book primal leadership which is another uh, look at leadership and emotional intelligence and so he's quite good at it um there's also a number of ted talks again that's all on my website um norseleadership.com on the resource page uh, associated some really good Ted talks. Cause I like those nice short 20 minute, you know, quick dives you can kind of listen to while you're stuck in traffic or whatever. Um,
0: Oh, I see them. Five brilliant Ted talks that will boost your emotional intelligence. Oh, that's lovely. Okay.
1: So that, that's another uh, way to think about it, but you know, just on a, on a day-to-day basis, so much of, uh, growth as a leader is around experiments and self-noticing self-observation um but it could be something as simple again maybe it's emails and you getting triggered starting to notice your emotions to things will be kind of it's kind of like the first place to start of of enhancing your self-awareness and your emotional intelligence um starting to notice those things that trigger you so rather than uh, behaving and acting automatically without choice and I'm big about having people keep a journal about things that trigger me, your trigger journal, um, because once you can name it and notice your triggers, it, it, they often lose their power over you. Um, mm-hmm. So that to me is an important thing. Uh, let's see, asking for feedback from others. You know, um, Michelle, do you, do you notice situations when I have really strong reactions or very passive reactions? What, what are those situations when I do that?
0: You get again, really excited when you have a new cohort and you blush and your joy comes out. There it is. <laughs>
1: good. Good. Right. And so that you know, that's good to know. And I think that's a big part of anybody's. I
0: loved it. Yes.
1: So definitely um find people in your world that you trust who would give you the truth if you asked them. Um and then you know, experimenting with new behavior. Again, that choice of Before I react, uh, what are three choices I can make in terms of how I want to react? I get that email. What do I want to do with it? Um, And starting to think about an experiment with new behavior, because that's really ultimately what it comes down to. Um, You know, making a choice. What's the safe approach and what's the kind of the principled approach in any given situation? I can't control others, but I can go back to kind of like, what are my core values and how does my behavior reflect What I really believe about myself, you know, it really comes back to that. And to me, anytime we do that, we are in integrity with ourselves. And so we're not just simply victims of the monkey brain. We're making conscious choices. Um, And no matter what, how other people respond or react, I don't have to react that way. And to me, that's really what it means to be a grown up and a leader.
0: Okay. So then I have a question. Mm Mm-hmm. When you talk about about the blogging and we have the books and we catch our triggers and we're writing them down, um, how does – and we ask for the feedback because that's Mm – and some of that feedback is hard to hear. What do we do when we feel stuck? like wh- what do we what does what the individual the leader do when they feel stuck like they can't break whatever that trigger pattern is or they've heard they've honestly heard the feedback but they still feel like as an individual they just can't power through whatever is perceived as a, a as a leadership weakness
1: mhm it may be that a couple things I've seen. One is that people are trying to change too much at the same time. And so when you did the, uh, the EQI assessment in the leadership program, often what we hear and um, students in the program is, you know, they want to train, change five things, five scales.
0: There's you know, no possible students. way. There's yeah, no, exactly. you'd, you'd implode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's um, – You know, there's there's no science to this necessarily as much as, again, are you attempting too much or are you trying to go for the big one? And maybe that you've got a big stretch that um, you struggle with, you know, assertiveness and being too passive or whatever. Maybe that that is just too big for you. Maybe you need to start smaller in terms of your growth around emotional intelligence, Um, because good development plans really focus on three things. I want to develop this skill to use with these people in these situations. So maybe it's, I'm, I'm overly reactive or too aggressive with my direct reports during performance meetings, whatever. So the more specific you can be about, you know, what is it you want to develop with who and what situations it'll make a big difference. I think in terms of, um, actionable and, um, you know, actionable plans that are not overwhelming, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, stuckness in terms of development. And maybe you just simply need to notice your stuckness and appreciate it because the more you push on stuckness, oftentimes the stronger it gets. Maybe it's, you know, maybe the the thing is just simply do some noticing that Mm -hmm. uh, for the next two weeks, you're just going to notice, you know, where you don't assert yourself. Um, and the emotions involved without without any judgment yeah you know, i often, I often challenge clients to do that, and what ends up happening is that when they have awareness, they start to change, and I never even have to ask them because mm-hmm. once you have awareness about anything, then your energy tends to go toward like this new light way of thinking so um again, this is not um you know, a checklist, read the book, watch the video, whatever, and suddenly you're changed, but it's, it's an unfolding over time. And I think, um, you know, there's stretches that happen and progress, and then sometimes a setback, whatever. It's not a linear process, I guess is the bottom line, but um, periodically checking in self-compassion that you're not a machine and you're going to have good days and have bad days and stressful days and whatnot. So, um, I think, you know, Part of it is just like what you did in the leadership program, which is to have a a gang of people that are there to support you and um, in all your imperfections. Mm -hmm. And maybe today we're just going to go have that basket of chips and then tomorrow we're going back to the gym kind of thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh Yeah, I'm just laughing today. I I've been I've been getting back into running again. Because oh, my, um, so full disclosure, when I did the, e, is it EQI or I always get the alphabet yes. backwards, the EQI. That's right. My mm-hmm. biggest issue was pace setting. I run a million miles an hour, like literally in my head. It's a beautiful combination of ADD and ADHD. And so my leadership trait was that I needed to slow down.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what I found Was that by speeding up my physical body by exercise, and I go through waves of self-care with that, um, and I'm back on the running. Um, Also, after you run and you haven't stretched, the simple act of standing up, it's like one's body is fixated in a locked position. (laughs) And that's kind of fun. Oh, The stretching. Um, I thought I sprained my entire lower half of my body. Um, But that helps mentally slow, not slow me down, but the physical running helps me pace mentally Mm -hmm. better, if that makes sense. And so I tried to change that and my um, knee jerk, um, uh, dark Irish reactions at the same time. And it was too much. I had to do one at a time. And so hence the stomp the foot in the car in a parked car before I hit respond and understand that exclamation points are a generational difference yeah. and then get back to the gym. But that's me being honest and open about my raw, you know, emotional intelligence outcomes. And, and that's been, I don't know how many years it's been since I, you know, I finished the program, but I have seen the difference and I have seen the difference when, like, I fall off the emotional intelligence wagon because I'm short tempered yes. again, and I have to get back into the cycle. Yes. Um, and and I, I was checking out. It looks like Daniel Goleman wrote the um, the power of meditation. Okay. And one of my um, one of my sweet friends, Maria, she actually. Um, uh, helps co-host the SLPs Wine and Cheese podcast. She's delightful and she's a huge meditator. And she's always like, Michelle, you just need to breathe. You mm-hmm. need to meditate. And so I am, I think I might add that into the mix yeah. a little. Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think half the battle in, in development and, and progress and then setbacks is paying attention to what caused the setback. What were the conditions for which, you kind of retreated to old behavior and, you know, many,
0: Stress. well, in many <laughs> cases
1: it's a uh, physical wellness. I, I was exhausted because mm-hmm. you know, we know that when people, you know, basically when people become exhausted, they're not able to engage their, you know, executive function and their, their thinking brain and it becomes very emotional. You know, that's why people tend to overeat when they're exhausted, overdrink what, I mean, whatever, you know, so it may be that, that's that's part of the part of the sequence of events, which is exhausted. At the end of the day, you ate the bag of chips. You know, you, did, you were just stuffing your emotions, kind of thing. And again, knowing knowing that about yourself, to be you know compassionate. Okay, now I know. You know, if I'm tired, <laughs> here's what I need to do for myself. It's starting to, to set up those kinds of uh, warning signals. I'm going to take some action. Yeah, you know, and that's what I think again about. Being a grown up is about your development, you know. Taking ownership
0: of it, taking ownership of your monkey yeah. brain. Don't let our inner four year old selves control yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> oh, That's right. I love. It. Okay, yay. Okay, we have like one minute left before we have to switch over to questions. So, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to cover or clarify? Or yeah. um, are we good? Perfect. Okay. So I know you've mentioned your website. Um, it's Norseleadership.com, correct? That's right. And it, um, and people can catch you. I know you post delightful articles on um, LinkedIn because I've seen yeah. that. Um, I, I do enjoy reading them because you post things that lift a body spirit Oh, great! and, and there's a lot of negative in the world. Yeah. So I appreciate the positivity. So, how else, um, is there any other way people could reach you or if they want to, are you available for, um, uh, state association lectures or anything like that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I've done, um, I've done some work with the, the state association, uh, kind of umbrella organization. And then I've done some work with, uh, the California, uh, speech language hearing association. So yeah, absolutely. In terms of, yeah. so I do a fair number of, you know, keynotes on different topics associated with, Lately I've been talking a lot about grit and resilience as being really integral in terms of change leadership. Um, But in addition to LinkedIn and then my website, I also have a a Facebook uh, business page. Um, You can just search for Norse Leadership Strategies on Facebook and then um, join my page because I post uh, a bunch of stuff there too.
0: I didn't know that. Okay. okay. Well, that's, um, I will hop on, um, the Facebook as soon as we are done. Great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Um, hold, um, if you don't mind holding the line, I'm going to switch over to, um, the, um, Q and a, and also one day I know my sweet little boo will listen to this. And dear sir, tomorrow you turn five and I am grateful. For you and your Wonder Woman jokes and your Batman costumes. And when you grow up and you hear this one day, just remember mama loves you and your stinky feet. So there it is. Hold the hold on one second. I have a solution to a problem that probably frustrates you because Lord knows it frustrates me on at least once or twice a week. So here's the solution. Are you trying to find a provider near you who routinely and frequently evaluates and treats pediatric feeding disorders? Well, Feeding Matters Provider Directory is the tool that you need. It's comprehensive, easy-to-use database of feeding centers and healthcare professionals. The provider directory allows you to search by location and filter by services offered, preferred specialist, and diagnosis. Start your search by visiting bit.ly backslash, back I swear I'm going to get that thing right, uh, FM provider directory. And make sure that you submit to be listed too. All right, enjoy, folks. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I am your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things PEDS SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through SpeechTherapyPD.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode.